And welcome back to A3's The Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Beckwith. In the house is AJ Orange. Hey. Justin Kelly. What's up? And Logan Kilgore. What's going on? So this week, we want to dig into the idea of training, working out, uh, even up to the idea of lifting as a young athlete, because a lot of times, and we were even told this when we were younger, that if you lift too young, you work out too much as a young one, you stunt your growth. And what we want to talk about is the overskilled and underdeveloped athlete that we tend to see in this industry. When you get to be about middle school, high school age, we see a lot of injuries. We see a lot of kids that just don't have complete control of their bodies. And they may have started playing sports when they were five, six years old. And there's never really been a focus on the biomechanics, on how the body moves, how the visual system works, coordination, all of those things. We're so focused on the skill of the sport that we're interested in that we don't actually focus on the body. And what we were talking about just before the podcast started was this kind of funny flip of things that when you're younger, you know, everybody wants you in sports all the time and you're playing sport after sport after sport and you're not really focused on the training. But then as you get to be a pro, your focus really tends to become the training. And imagine if we all would have started doing that and we had something like A3 when we were young kids. Uh, as an example, we're starting the A3 rookie groups where it's six to eight and a half and nine to 11 because we want the kids to understand athletic development. We want them to have fun and be competitive, but at the same time, learn the proper biomechanics. And that's the conversation we want to head down today of really dispelling the myth of you shouldn't train, you shouldn't work out as a youngster, and that you should just go play your sport. And all of us in this room are in agreement that yes, play the sport, please play seven sports if you can. But at the same time, we've got to start focusing on the movement pattern recognition. And that's a that's the thing that we really want to dive into here. Yeah, I mean, my first thought, it comes back to when you move efficiently, as a professional athlete, that's kind of what everybody's trying to get to, right? You're trying to cut out inefficiencies, whether you're a quarterback, baseball player, or whatever. You're looking at, okay, you need a baseline of strength and you need to be flexible enough to carry out the movements. But more importantly, you're trying to cut out inefficiencies. So, I mean, if you're dropping your arm and you're trying to play quarterback, you, the longer your motion is, the more telegraphed your passes are, the more inefficient you're going to be, right? So... To me, when I think about young kids, in what sport do you not run? In what sport do you not need to get an athletic position? What sport do you not need to be able to put your hips below your knees and be able to move laterally? I mean, these are all things that you can learn. Like you're talking about biomechanics. It's a big word, but really you're just talking about getting an athletic stance, being able to move efficiently in space. How do you be balanced? How do you work? You could work on all those things. I mean, you got your kids doing it at what, three, four years old? I mean, at the end of the <laughs> Just day. Just having fun in the backyard. Yeah, exactly. And and the problem is you get these people, hey, you know, my son, he's six foot four, you know, he's 220. And then, you know, you see him move on a basketball court or on a football field, whatever, he's tripping all over himself. Mm -hmm. And all those coordinating skills, all those quick twitch muscles, those can all be trained. Those can all be learned movements, whether it's, in a gym like A3 or in another setting, you've got to be able to start developing the correct movement patterns. If you're going to run, you might as well run efficiently. Right. You might as well start that and make those your habits as early as possible. Everyone says, oh, you know, I don't want my kid to start working out 
because all the parent thinks about working out is bench squat. Da, 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 da. Right. Okay. Exactly. You're yeah. not in the game anymore. <laughs> right. That's yeah. not working out. Come to one of our workouts. You're not seeing. We're not wearing uh, down Chuck Taylors anymore. I don't even know if there is benches in there. I mean, it's like <laughs> that's not a thing. Oh, he's going to stunt his growth. You're not going to stunt your growth by learning how to run. You're not going to stunt right. your growth by learning how to do a ladder drill, by being able to do a three cone drill at seven, eight years old, by being able to jump over a hurdle to be able to control your body. Yeah. Those things are not going to happen. What's going to happen is your kid's going to be so far head and shoulders above everybody else because he can control his body. And as he continues to develop, he's not going to start from square one his junior year in high school when he figures out he's tall enough to shoot a basketball. I mean, it just right. it blows my mind that that's still a thing because it was a thing when we were all growing up. And it was like, hey, you know, if you're going to if you're gonna play quarterback someday, you know, you don't want to ever – you know, bench press too much. Great idea. Cool. That doesn't mean you don't work out. <laughs> that right. doesn't mean you don't have other things you can do. Right. You know, there'd be, um, you know, I was lucky enough to train early on um, in, uh, there's a place up in Sacramento, but his only emphasis is on plyometrics and plyometrics from, I believe it's, is it Don Chu? It was a big plyometrics guru. Mm -hmm. I can't remember if that's his name, but, um, but plyometrics essentially for a kid is a lot of stuff that you do at A3. It's mm -hmm. jumping, landing, more importantly, even than jumping, and being able to control yourself in different planes and putting yourself on one leg and doing things. I mean, it's not like you're going to put a squat bar with 225 on a kid that's <laughs> seven years old. I, I, I don't really understand what parents are thinking. Right. Like, I mean, is that even... Uh, dude, when I had to go think of what working out meant to me when I was a kid, it was like body exchange, hitting the squat rack, hitting the cable machine, just trying to get... Arnold Schwarzenegger type buff. And sure. I think that's kind of what our parents thought. Oh, you're going to lift. You're going to stunt your growth because you're going to be, you know, bicep curls all day. But then as we get older, we talk about now what's so important from what makes us successful is the details, small stuff, right? So now I'm getting to cues in my deliveries. I'm getting into certain movements that help me get to better success points. But the reason kids don't do that is because you want them to love the game first. You want them to love what's going on. So if you throw too many details at them, I'm thinking, well, they better be able to gather this and take it in. But why you make them play all these other sports is, is to get them in these other movement patterns to see what they're good at For sure. and what they can improve on. So I think specialization is great if you love doing it. Right. And they love doing it. If that's what they love doing, great. But if they want to see themselves in other aspects, why not? You're compromising what they want to do. Yeah, I mean, if you want to specialize, all well and good. I mean, if you if you play baseball and you love baseball or you you know whatever the sport is, that's fantastic. But ultimately, you know, one of the and and to back up a little bit, you know, from a scientific perspective of why you know we have this idea of what stunting the growth is when you're lifting, as you said, you're talking about contracting muscles, right? So biceps, squats, bench, all these things, you're contracting muscles. So if I'm a young athlete and I'm lifting too much, and that's that's my focus, is adding load. When I don't quite yet really lunge all that well, or I don't do push-ups all that well, but I'm adding load to my system, and then my muscles start to outgrow my bones that are growing from a, when you start looking at the way the body moves proportionately. Okay, so now all of a sudden, my muscles are bigger than that, so my contracting muscles aren't fluid right they're not mm -hmm. supple to use you know, lack of a better term right now well now all of a sudden those joints aren't going to expand and then the muscle or the bone themselves can't expand the way they would and that's how they quote unquote stunt your growth 
But when we start talking about the mobility aspect of it, right, of, you know, your joints only work as well as the muscles are connected to and your muscles only work as well as the joints they're connected to. So when there's a focus on both ends of the spectrum there, we're not worried about the over contraction of muscles getting too tight, not being flexible, not having the ability to grow as we get into it with our spine and our joints and all those things that are happening because our muscles are too tight. And then for muscles are too tight, then you start getting injuries, right? And so that's the whole concept here is getting people to understand that, you know, sports performance and, and working out and all of those things that we used to call working out is now sports performance. And the reason it's called that is because it's so scientific of what we're doing. There's so much more information out there from the brain and the way the joints move and how everything integrates and all of those things that it's really important to start focusing that the older I get, my movement patterns are going to change. And if I don't focus on the flexibility, if I don't focus on the the optimum performance of my movement, if I'm specialized, especially if I'm specialized, and my movement patterns aren't changing the older I get, well, here's where you have the example of the 12-year-old that was just destroying everybody at their age. And everyone's like, oh my gosh, this, this kid's going to the bigs. And then they get to be 16 years old and they're sitting the bench and everyone's going, what happened to that kid? And it happens quick. Very. It happens quick when people catch up Mm -hmm. and it's not because, you know, they were better, but they were physically more developed. Mm -hmm. So now that kid's fighting uphill battle. If he loves the sport and he's realizing he's not better than everyone anymore, what level he's going to push to. And is that going to be a motivating factor to realize, oh, I separated myself early on. Now, what's going to separate me is my training. Is that going to get me to get past my physical advantages from, you know, a young age to Mm -hmm. now we're all playing a level field and then that's specialization right there. Well, and that's my point is with you guys, I mean, all three of you sitting here right now and Art and Manav as well. I mean, if you look at the average, the average career, the length, the average professional career, all of you in this room have more than doubled it. The average career, you've more than doubled it. And how did you do that? By just throwing balls every single day and only focusing on that? Or you're only working footwork, AJ, and hitting bags and stuff? No, that's that's not at all the case. The way you prolonged your career was, okay, well, now I'm 25. Well, now I'm 28. Well, now I'm 30. And as those things happened, your movement pattern changed with it and your flexibility changed with it. As your body changed, you changed, your movement pattern changed, your depth perception changed and different things were heightened because of your age and because your ability to have forethought of what's coming in this next season and what you really need to focus on. And that comes down to the performance aspect. And so why not use those when you're young? I mean, since Dante's been two years old, he's been coming in A3 doing the light board and let him run around. And now he's swinging off of ropes and climbing ropes. And I mean, the kids, I mean, his coordination, we went out surfing and he got up on the board on his first day. And it's, it's because he does all these different things all the time. And I'm not being mad parent going, you're going to play baseball. You're going to play soccer. You're sick. You should have a helmet on playing football, which is not going to happen by the way. You know, so I mean, you start looking at these things and it's just because we have fun all the time. We make it fun and we enjoy just working out. Like he works out with Cali. I think I told you guys this. So I came home. This is probably about a month ago now. And 
Callie was about to work out and Dante was going to work out with her. Well, she went outside to work in the garden real quick and she took her longer than she thought it was going to. I walk in and Dante is doing an, a workout online by himself and doing squats and push-ups and sit-ups. And I'm like, buddy, what are you doing? Mommy was taking too long, so I just started it. <laughs> and he was just having a good old time. And Andre's running around in circles around him trying to emulate with him, my three-year-old. And it's it, that's what I'm talking about is just having fun. It, he doesn't need to have a bat in his hand every single day swinging the, you know, taking swings. And, yeah. you know, I mean, all of those things, it, it's just it gets to a point where it's more important as a young athlete to really focus on the movement pattern aspect of it and not necessarily the sport. Yeah. Um, like I said, my, my piece of advice for just parents and kids that are super young, if you're not, if you're going to do anything, it would, my advice would be to just to work on the mechanics, like the very simple running mechanics, you know, opposite arm, opposite leg, that kind of stuff. Because, you know, typically what I see when I run into like parents or kids is that's the thing that they struggle with, right? Mm -hmm. They don't care if they're strong. It doesn't matter how strong they are, how fast they are, how good they are at their sport. If you don't have the mechanics, it doesn't translate and it translates, but in a bad way, right? It doesn't, it doesn't look good. Right. Yeah, Especially at that level. Right. Yeah. Like, right. You can come in and, you know, you can be hitting home runs and then come in and you can't do a box jump. Um, we got some, <laughs> we got some issues, you know, or like some real yeah. issues. If you can't get a, into a lunge properly or a lunge up, it'll like do all these exercises that we do. And, you know, I, I see it and I'm like, I, we have to start from the very beginning because if I can get you to do these exercises properly, it'll make everything else easier. For sure. It makes everything easier. The way you squat, the way you bench, the way you run, all those things. If you have simple mechanics and those things become habits and now they become natural, like natural for you to run and you don't have to think about it. It makes when you, when your body gets into these weird positions and these awkward planes coming in and out of these breaks or whatever it is, it, your body just becomes natural for you. It makes it easy. So like I said, if you're going to do anything, if you're not going to lift and squat and do all these things that we use to supplement the mechanics, just work on the mechanics because that is like the foundation for just being an athlete at all levels. Yeah. It's a very simple, but kind of corny analogy, but it's the same thing when you're building a house, right? We all talk about it all the time. Set the foundation the athlete is a house. You literally cannot start building that second story master bedroom bathroom, you know, and do all these amazing fixtures without a foundation. Mm -hmm. You got to start with the foundation. You start from Absolutely. the ground up. It won't you, last that long. Yeah. You know? you gotta, <laughs> right. You gotta sinkhole able, in the ground. Exactly. It's like, <laughs> Oh, you know, look at Johnny shooting all these three-pointers. That's great. Can he make a left-handed layup? Can he dribble with both hands? Does he know how to get in triple threat? Can he, you know, okay, now you're talking about football. Like, oh, look how good his arm is. Yeah, he can't even take a snap from under center. I mean, how are we supposed to see how good his arm is? He can't even take a drop without tripping. Like, it just blows my mind that people think that, you know, we, we say specialized. You know, that just essentially means that you're focusing on one area of one sport. Um, and I say one area of one sport because – not every baseball player is built the same. There's different positions no. in baseball. Not every football player is built the same. So just to say that I'm a football player is not enough information because you would train an offensive lineman a lot differently than you would train me, right? So yep. the point of that is even if you are at that young age and you feel like baseball is your sport or you know basketball is your sport or football is your sport, play all the positions you can. Do it all because that information in your head – it will benefit you. If you never leave that sport, then great. It will You'll be a better player from it. I'm better because I played free safety in high school. I'm better because I've been on the defensive side of the ball. I'm better because I've done form tackling drills. 
Quarterbacks throw interceptions. Sometimes you got to make a tackle. Like it's nice to have that <laughs> right. in the back pocket, right? But with with any other you know uh, sport or position, whatever, you're gonna find that even within the same sport, you need different skill sets and you need different movements, and it all relates back to can you move properly? And that's what you learn when you're young because you don't know how you're gonna develop. Not everybody could say. I mean, my dad's six five, huge guy, looks like a linebacker. My mo- my mom is smaller. Who knew how my body was going to be? I mean, there was a long time there. My dad thought I was going to be a jockey. I mean, I was like, whatever. He was getting ready to buy silk for a long time. Hey, he would have supported me then. But then, okay, luckily I grew a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's just about learning to move in space, learning to move properly. And you're not going to get that by buying your kid a gym membership. That's not, that's not what we're saying to do. We're not saying send him, drop him off at body exchange or California family fitness or gold gym, whatever. And just pick him up in two hours and hope, oh, man, he's been working out hard. No, he's walking around there confused. He doesn't know what he's doing. And most likely what he's going to do is create bad habits. So you need to be with somebody like at A3 that they know the way the movements, the movement patterns are going to work. And they're going to put you and it's going to be if you're a junior in high school, it's going to be a lot more demoralizing to go in there and figure out you can't run Mm -hmm. properly than it is when you're seven because you're not supposed to be able to know that stuff. Right. I mean, you haven't, you know, there's, there's all county guys here that could benefit from coming into that rookie class. I mean, bottom line, they yeah. could come in to, you know, a, that level, not because of the age group, but that level of training, because I mean, there's a lot of us that had to do that stuff in college. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, you can simple. get a scholarship and not know how the hell to lift. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not, it's not a prerequisite. Right. Not knowing how to do any kind of exercise practice, how to balance yeah. it all. In right. College. Here's the deal. You, you're worried about stunning somebody's growth. How about worry about preventing injury? Yeah. Yep. How about worry about stunts develop? Yeah. How is he going to mm-hmm. develop his core if he doesn't know what the hell to do? Right. I really yeah. hell. Sorry about that. No. <laughs> no. No. I mean, that's 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 all part of it. The passion of it, right? Yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, I did. I learned more from twenty-seven to thirty than I did ever. Yeah. It. And I mean, and what I mean, learn. I mean, how my body moves at the most optimum level. I got stronger, faster, simply because I had a coach that was like Mr. Miyagi. And he was like, okay, well, wax the floor. And I'm like, wax, why do you want me to wax yeah, the floor? <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm kidding. But, you know, if anyone's seen the original movie, I mean, that was the whole point, right? That scene in Karate Kid is the perfect analogy to training that, you know, Daniel's getting all upset that he had to wax the floor and wax the car and paint the fence and do all these things. And he goes, why am I doing all this? And Mr. Miyagi just sits there calm and goes, show me wax the floor. And he doesn't. And he goes, no, 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 show me wax the floor and he throws a kick at him and he blocks it right and it's going through all those movements going oh my gosh so after that scene now all of a sudden daniel's a believer in what mr miyagi's doing and this whole time did mr miyagi have him going out doing karate the whole time no he was teaching him how to move properly efficiently and on purpose and that's really you know that's why i started calling my coach bart mr miyagi because i was doing so many off the wall things that i didn't understand and then he would sit down and go okay well Here's why we're doing X, Y, and Z. And I went, oh my gosh. And I'd go out and throw the discus and just sing. And it would blow my mind. Translate. Absolutely. Mr. Miyagi moment this morning, by the way, when I knocked over your water. <laughs> I could have got down there and cleaned it up and not known why. I was walking to do a box jump and I knocked over his water. I was like, oh, shoot. He's like, oh, I'll get it. Don't worry about it. Like, yeah. Dang, that, that was your chance. Yeah. Well, yeah. Whoops. All right. So I guess for, I'm going to ask AJ just because 
I'm very interested in knowing that moment. So that moment for me of, of when I'm, I'm a baseball player. Like I'm not a basketball player. I'm not a football player. Mm-hmm. And that was a natural choice for me. You know, I'm not a huge shooter. I was a terrible shooter. Wasn't big enough. Didn't, you know, like hitting too much. So it was baseball. And then what am I going to be a pitcher? So for that, you for, you know, being where you are, how does that, what was that moment like? Like knowing I'm a, I'm a pretty good DB. Like this is what I'm going to do. Well, my training is going to be like this. Well, my, my story is a little bit different because like I played soccer for a long time. Right. right? So like I said, like we've been saying, you should play all these different sports, right? I played soccer for 10 years before I even picked up a football. Um, but because I played that sport, it allowed me like to know how to place my feet down, how to like get in a good position playing defense because you never want like, you know, you got to be on your feet. You don't want to be on the ground. Right. So I learned how to play like moving backwards and all this stuff. And then when I get to football, you know, I was mostly a receiver. I always wanted to play receiver. Everybody wants to play offense. I want to touch right. the ball. Um, I played safety in high school and mainly because I was I had like a, a high football IQ. Like I understood X's and O's and like getting my, my teammates in the right positions and things like that. Um, but, um, I never really thought I was a good DB. Like, you know, it was just kind of came natural to me. The ball was in there. I would go get it right. When I get to college, it's a little bit different because I was recruited as an athlete. They didn't know where they wanted to put me. They just knew I had the skills, the fundamentals, whatever it was to be an athlete, to be in a receiver or a DB or whatever it was. And then they put me at DB and because I had those fundamentals, I had played these different sports and I was able to move in these different planes and do all this stuff. It was very natural for me. So the first time I covered a comeback, they were like, what the heck? Like how, you know, like he's on top of it, but it's because I played receiver. Like, and I know the steps that a receiver needs to take in order to get in and out of his break faster than the DB. So in my mind, if I can do it faster than the receiver, then I'm already, you know, I'm one step ahead, right? right. And that's the, the problem that a lot of people run into is that like, they say, you know, DBs are just really bad receivers, right? Or like there are receivers that can't catch the ball. And that's not true. Naturally, DB, if you're playing DB at the highest level, you're probably one of the best athletes on the field because you can move from a back pedal, transition, open your hips, and getting in at a breaks better than a receiver can, right. right? That's what made me good. When I think I realized that my first time was when I got to the league, right? When I get to the NFL, when I get to the pros, because before that, it was naturally just strength for me. I was a press corner. I was pressed every play. I didn't really have to react. I just kind of took the guy out of the play. Quarterback would look over there. I'll, I'm off my read and he'd look somewhere else. You know, it was, you know, four seconds out of my life and for the right. time being, and I just had to get physical with somebody. I had longer arms and everything. But when I get to the NFL, everybody's bigger, faster, stronger, right? So now I got to find a way to actually win a rep, right? I got to get in and out of my breaks. And I think that was the moment when I, when I got there and saw all this competition, everybody's a pro. And I was still kind of like a little bit better than the people there is when I realized, oh, I'm, I'm pretty good, you know? And what got me here, right? What got me here? And it was, you know, my fundamentals, me being able to load my hip better than anybody else, right? I can sink into one hip and use that same hip to drive the opposite direction better than anybody else could. Somebody would try to do that same thing roll their ankle or fall over or have to take too many steps to get in and out of their breaks. So for me, it was one of those, it was just like a split moment, one play. I think I was covering Larry and he like ran a comeback. And normally I would take like an inside to put myself in between the quarterback and the receiver. And I went outside because Larry is a big body guy. He kind of shielded me from getting underneath. And I went outside and I was able to come outside and still beat him to the spot going on the outside and getting her. And I was like, Oh man, you know, I could, 
I'm, I'm pretty good at this, you know? And, you know, especially when you get like, you know, pros and tell you, you know, you know, AJ, what'd you do? Or, you know, how'd you do that? And that's when I think for me, my moment was like, you know, everything clicked and I believed in everything that I was doing. And I just like, almost I, like a, I belong here moment. Yeah. Like I belong here moment. And then, like I said, I always, I've always been like, you know, what, what makes me good? Like, why am I, you know what I'm saying? Why am, why do I feel like I'm good? Or why are these people think that I'm so good? Right. And then you ask somebody and they tell you, you know, AJ has really good hips. His hips are really fluid. He makes it look effortless or whatever it is. And it's because I've always been do like in every sport that I've done, I've had to use my hips and transition basketball, you know, I'm guard. I was like always a defender. I wasn't the best shooter, but I was a really good defender. I could stay on him and twist my hips and turn and do all these things. And because of all the sports that I played, putting myself in all those weird positions, it translates to when you finally like are specialized for one particular thing, you can use all the fundamentals that you learned in all the other sports for that one thing. Right. And you go back and, and you know, what, how old were you at the time when you're, you know, feeling yourself to be comfortable in the NFL? Uh, man, 20, 20. Yeah. About 20 years old that around that age. And before that, it was, it was all pretty much development and me trying to figure out if I was actually like a defensive back. Cause in my mind, I've always been an athlete. You right. Know, I can play both sides of the ball. I can do whatever, you know, kicks, whatever. right. Yeah. I can, yeah. I can do, I can, you know, whatever it is. I, I can run, right. I got good running mechanics. I can run fast. I did track. I did all that stuff. So all that stuff translates. Right. And it's, and it's like in those moments when I'm like, all right, can I be a DB? For just for an example, I had no interceptions in in, in college, zero. Right, <clears throat> I think I had one my my freshman year in like uh like a scrimmage. Right. You know what I mean? But before before that, after that, there was none in college. I got my first career interception as a rookie for the Cardinals against Philadelphia my rookie year. Right after that, they just started coming. You know, it was one of those things. That's when I started to believe. I'm like, I can do this because I'm here, and these people are telling me you know, you got good hips or whatever it is. So those are the things that I start to focus on my hips, my ankles, my knees, all those things that allow me to transition and be able to run right. and stay on my feet. Right. You had that moment early though. Cause you have that moment when you're younger, when you're playing football now as a young kid, realizing that you're pretty dang good at one thing, mm -hmm. that moment of let's, let's buckle down on these things. And yeah. for these kids now, why are we going to have to be able to, do one thing when the rest of your life, you're going to have to specialize or if you're right. going to be a pro athlete, I, I mean, I can't work on DB stuff, but I'm going <laughs> to work on pitching for the rest of my life. So leading up to it, let's, let's, spe let's specialize when you have to, or when you really truly want to. Yeah. And then I think what, what the most beneficial thing you can do is you've got to treat that sport, whatever that might be. It could be football, could be basketball, could be baseball, whatever that is, but your off season that's where you've got to learn the most. And what I like to recommend people do is pick a sport that's going to complement what you do in some way, shape or form. Right. And if you don't have that opportunity, then you've got to be training and not going out and throwing every single day as a pitcher like you or throwing balls every single day to nauseam and throwing hundreds and hundreds of routes a day like it just doesn't make a whole lot of sense because then like you said you go into camp and all of a sudden you start feeling this like deceleration issue and your back starts getting all knotted up it's like okay well let's let's start thinking about what can i do in my off season if i'm going to specialize in xyz sport fine but that sport's not year round well now all of a sudden we're running into these issues where club is year round 
And I see it the worst for the young female athletes that, you know, soccer and volleyball, they're having club tryouts during their high school season, their high school, they go all the way to state and they stop playoffs in and that's Saturday. And then Monday they start club. And it's just the most mind blowing thing ever. They never get a break. And same thing with soccer. I mean, it's just one game after another, they're playing in their big recruiting games, November nights, and then bang, high school starts, high school ends, and then bang, club starts back up again. Then you go heavy all summer playing soccer, 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 soccer. And at some point it's like, when, when are they developing? Cause that's the biggest issue here is, you know, when we talk about ACL injuries as a, is a huge, huge, huge problem right now in male and female young athletes, you know, shoulder and elbow issues and all of these things that are going on. It's these overuse injuries and these lack of development in the body. That is my biggest pet peeve. It drives me absolutely insane because there's so many times with the younger athletes, I'm spending more time fixing them than I am actually getting to train them in some circumstances. And AJ, we see this constantly, right? That especially when we get new athletes, one of the biggest issues that we see is we call it single leg balance and reach. We, we did it in a workout the other day. And you know what that is, if, if you're at home right now and you're just listening to this, it's standing on one leg and you could hold a water bottle in one hand. You could have nothing in your hand and you take the opposite. So if I'm standing on my left, I'm going to have my right hand out and I'm going to hinge from my ankle, my knee and my hip, keeping my spine in a good position to where my shin and my spine are parallel. And I'm going to squat one-legged all the way down to the ground while my other leg is a counterbalance going behind me. It's probably about 75% of the people that come in you can't do it. that can't do it more than three reps in a row. And we test that as part of our assessment. And it's when you start thinking about the, the idea of it, yes, it's a very complicated move. We're talking about the sling system and going the X you know, X axis, you're standing on one leg, you're going across, but again, what's walking? You're on both legs. Well, not both legs like that. Not like squatting. You're using both legs individually one at a time. What is sprinting? Sprinting is a series of single leg plyometrics. It's what it is. It's a single leg bound repeated over and over and over again and switching your leg every single time. And so when we start talking about, well, how do you do a lunge like we were talking about earlier? Or can you even do a single leg bound? Th those are very complicated moves that take time to build up to. But we've got kids, we've got pro athletes that I've trained that, that don't run all that well. And they don't do plyometrics all that well. And they don't land all that well. And one thing that you said earlier, Logan, about how landing is so important. Here's what we need to understand that when I'm sprinting, when I'm at full capacity, when I'm jumping and landing at full capacity, when I'm changing direction at full capacity, we're talking about creating upwards of 10 times your body weight of ground force going into your body. So now let's break it down a little bit. If I'm gonna jump up in the air or sprint or whatever, but we're gonna use jumping. If I jump up as high as I can and I come down, well now on the way down, Physics and gravity are going to win every single time. None of us are going to outperform physics and gravity. We can work within that system and be really, really good and efficient, but we're not going to do better than it because we can't fly as humans. We just, it's not going to happen, right? Okay, so when we start talking about jumping and landing, so I, I jump up in there as high as I can. I create as much force as I can. 
Well, now that force is now going down at a higher rate because gravity is pulling me back down to the ground, right? And now I've got to land and I've got to absorb that impact. Well, sports is all about the rebound jump, not the standing by yourself and just jumping up in the air because that happens twice a game, typically in basketball. Maybe, you know, maybe you get two more chances at a jump ball. In football, never do you just stand still and jump up in the air. Baseball, once in a while on a line drive, but typically your feet are already moving when that happens, right? So when you start thinking about that, it's like, okay, well, I can't jump and land all that well just standing here. So how am I supposed to rebound out of that, take a step, step to the right or the left or the front or the back, and then make a jump while twisting, while at the same time having somebody make contact with me? Oh, and I also have to find this object. What I just described are all drills that you can do. And not just focusing on your sport. I mean, focusing on each one of those, break those down individually and work on all those. First, let's figure out how to land because the better I land, the higher I can jump because the better I absorb force. Now my brain's going to go, oh, wow, you absorb force really well. Well, I'm going to let you jump a little bit higher because we can handle that force. So I feel comfortable enough allowing you to get into a better position to go, boom, jump even higher. Now you come down and land even better. And that's why we do so much drilling on landing. And then we do a lot of drilling on jumping, landing, and then jumping again, because that's what it really comes down to, right? And we talk about all the time, be a ninja, be as light as you can possibly be when your feet hit the ground. We shouldn't hear you when you do box jumps. You shouldn't be slamming yourself onto the ground. That's, that is the worst thing you can do. When you're doing deadlifts, you shouldn't, or cleans, for example, as you get older and into high school and all that weight rooms, it's funny, you know, as a younger coach, it was always like you, you wanted to hear the noise, right? Weight rooms should be loud and they should be boisterous. You should be here weights banging all over the place. As I got older and I started learning stuff, I went, oh my gosh, if I drop the weight or if I don't control the weight on the way down and I create this noise, I just missed a rep because what is changing direction? It's deceleration. We do a lot of that at A3. A lot of deceleration. So this goes back to the simple idea of plyometrics. We got to build a base of foundation first, and that is learning how to land. Okay, so when I go into a break and I've got to take, I'm going full speed, and then I've got to stop my momentum and change directions, that concept of going from full speed to changing directions, that is called deceleration to acceleration. But unfortunately, a lot of times when we just focus on the sport aspect, all we're talking about is force production, force production, force production, and acceleration, acceleration, acceleration. But we hardly focus on the deceleration of things. And that's what Logan was talking about. It's like, just don't send your kid out to body exchange or 24 hour fitness or Gold's Gym and all that, unless there's a professional that understands these things from an athletic perspective, not a powerlifting perspective, because those are two different perspectives. And so when you go into, like you guys were talking about, when you go into college the first time, many, many times you're being faced with a powerlifting mentality yep. in the weight room. And I say this all the time. There is a place for lifting heavy. Absolutely. I'm all for it. If you can lift a house, lift a house. I am 100% behind you when you do that. Although what is more important to me, and we've said this before, is that you can do that multiple times 
And if you can lift a house, then you need to follow that up with doing something dynamic afterwards. Why? Well, as an athlete, doing something one time is not going to be a very good thing for me. Secondly, when I'm lifting something that heavy, yes, it's dynamic. Yes, there's power and all that, but it's not fast. It takes a long time to lift really heavy weight in comparison to changing direction, in comparison to catching a ball, throwing a ball, making a break on a ball, so on and so forth, taking a jump shot. Those things all happen in milliseconds. But when I'm lifting as heavy as I can in the squat, that might take me eight seconds. Well, the, you've already run two plays by then. <laughs> I mean, So you start looking at it from that perspective and it's going, okay, well, what's important here? Do I want to be strong? Yes. But in order to be strong, just like in order to be fast, you got to be strong. In order to be strong, you got to be fast. Well, that all comes down to the mechanics of what you're doing and creating a foundation first and understanding that I've got to be able to, if I can't lunge out without falling off balance and all of those things for, let's say, 50 yards, playing football is probably not the best idea yet. Or being a pitcher is probably not the best idea yet. If I can't do a rotational jump of 90 degrees, I probably shouldn't be playing basketball yet right. and landing it perfectly multiple times. These are the things that we're talking about here that, you know, it's, we get so caught up in the idea that we're the next LeBron James. We're the next, I'm not even going to say athletes anymore. He'll show my age, but you know, I mean, it's, you start looking at all these things and it, it, it's not about that because Steph Curry wasn't always Steph Curry. Did he, I mean, he went to Davidson. Mm -hmm. We forget about that. We talk about him being one of the most prolific shooters that we've seen. And we forget that he was a guy that no one really thought could do it. Right. Jerry Rice went to Mississippi Valley State. We talk about this Hall of Fame wide receiver as best anyone's ever seen. Well, let's not forget. He went to a place because no one thought that he could do it and he proved everybody wrong. There's there's a common theme here. I think of Kurt Warner. Kurt Warner. It's a great yep. example. Yep. We could I mean, we could all sit here for hours talking yeah. about all these examples. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it takes me back to Little League when, you know, there was. A lot of good athletes in my little league and good pitchers and, and I pitched and uh, the theme when I was 12 years old in uh, 2002 was hey like oh check out this I had ball. graduated college already by the way <laughs> you know look at look at Johnny over here he can he can throw a curveball for a strike I mean this this curveball this curveball and so I remember going to my dad and saying hey you know teach me to throw a curveball and he was like why you can't locate your fastball bam thank you dad <laughs> oh, Ouch. oh yeah and i'm like thank you papa look papa kilgore he said when you can hit a dixie cup with your fastball we'll talk about teaching how to throw a change yes and when you can throw a change up for a strike then maybe we'll see something that can get movement on a ball but you're not gonna be this kid that can't throw strikes and all of a sudden you're trying to throw a curveball the guy I, with six pitches that none right. of them are different one of the best one of the best pitchers in our league his name was also Logan, and he had Tommy John surgery at 12 years old. At 12? 12 oh years old. Threw out his gosh. arm in the middle of the Little League game. Oh I watched it happen. And gosh. it blew my mind because I used to think, man, this kid can do this. He can do that. He can do mm -hmm. this. Well, there's, there's certain ways that your body is growing up, certain tendons, certain things that what we're, not, what we're talking about is it's not so much that you have to develop from a physical perspective. 
you have to develop in the correct order. You right. You got to be able to walk properly. You got to be able to sit with po- proper posture. You got to be able to move correctly before you start doing all this crazy stuff. I mean, go back to the to the house analogy. You could beat it to. I mean, uh, you could just can't. You can't put that you don't ahead put the, of what you already need to do. You like, don't install the roof yeah, first. Right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can, I mean, who cares what the roof looks like? You don't have any foundation. Like, right, right. You know, and and it was just it was mind blowing to see. You know, I can think back, and I'm sure you can too, Justin. I mean, man, the best players in our little league, the best players in my you know AU basketball teams and stuff like that. They're not still playing. No. I'm sorry. They were bad plateaued at that age. I can't tell you what our high school record was. I can't tell you what our what our little league who won the you know 2003 Rockland Little League (laughs) Championship. I can't do it. But people at that age think that's what you're gonna remember forever. And what (laughs) you're gonna remember forever is can you move properly? Do does your back hurt when you're 40 years old and your buddy asks you as a CEO to go play golf with them and you're the one that can't move? I mean. You got to move properly throughout your life, right? And it starts when you're young, and that's why you would get into a place like A3. Because guess what? We talked about percentages every single episode. Hopefully, you guys have heard that a million times. You're not going to be able to play sports forever. That's a fact. It's yep. a fact. You yep. still have to live life after. Yep. So there's so many people. If you're blessed enough to make your varsity team, congratulations! It's a huge accomplishment. If you're even more blessed to ever go and play anything after high school, you're a freak because that's not in the cards for most people. Right. And if anybody ever gives you a dollar to play the sport you've played since you were six years old, you've hit the lottery, in my opinion. Yeah. So stop listening and watching ESPN because everything's so readily available and watching all these stories right. and start thinking about your own body and start thinking about, hey, maybe I don't need to you know, worry about all these crazy euro step moves when i can't dribble with my left hand <laughs> maybe i don't need to start throwing all these crazy pitches when you can't throw a fastball just right. calm down for a second make sure your kid is in love with the sport never turn off the ability to play a different sport be allowed to okay yeah you want to try this you want to try that that's great and also some people sports is not for them that doesn't mean that they should know how to walk run sit properly whatever because if you're a banker you still need to know how to live a clean, healthy, positive lifestyle with your movement pattern. You got to be able to, you know, we talk about the benefits of driving from vision board, from, you know, awareness in space, all that stuff. Right. We probably have a hell of a lot less car accidents if people freaking knew what their car was doing in space. <laughs> so you get them on the vision board. I mean, yeah, exactly. Get yourself on the vision board. Get yourself <laughs> developed. And it doesn't matter what path. I think that's my main point. It doesn't matter which path you're going. It doesn't matter if you're going to be a star athlete or if you're going to just be a, a Joe, whatever. It doesn't matter. You still can benefit at a young age from understanding how to move properly. It will benefit you throughout your life. I think uh, you know if you're trying to peak at 12 years old athletically and your goal is to be the best Little League World Series team, Throw six pitches, get your, you know, exactly. athletic peak then. And yeah. We'll worry about, you know, longevity. Yeah. And, and longevity is something I think we always kind of obviously have established. And, and, and that is, you know, you none of us knew when we were going to be done playing. Still to this day, no idea when we were done playing. But w- while you're present, while you're there, you're, you're going to put your full effort into it. Sure. You're going to go out there and look for details and, and know the why, why you're doing I know why I'm playing, but know why I'm doing every movement. And, and that's understanding and learning. And I think... I wish I knew that more as a kid, man. Yeah. I wish yeah. I knew more as a kid. Someone sure. telling me, okay, 
why are you doing this biomechanically? Let's get you in the right directions to where even when we do workouts and landing and absorbing those translate. Yeah. Those translate so well. And, and I used to think baseball was just pushing off and just getting big and just, you know, getting my arm to move as fast as I can where it's, I'm absorbing weight and I'm learning how to transfer that. And you don't know that until you, you realize I don't know all the answers and I want to know And that happens. It's not every day. It's not going to be one day you wake up and I'm going to work out for 12 hours. It's, it's a mindset, man. And being kids, ready. Kids want to get trained. You know, how many people contact me and they say, oh, my, my son's going to be a high school quarterback. You know, he needs he needs to work on his footwork. He needs to work on that stuff. I've said to multiple people, send him to Ryan at A3. Yeah. Because that is where you're going to learn to get in athletic position. That's where you're going to learn that when I tell you to sit there and take a snap from center and I'm sitting on my knee about to snap you the ball – and you're hunched over and you can't even see anything that's going on mm-hmm. on the defense. It blows my mind. I'm like, that is an athletic principle. That is not a quarterback movement. That is if you're playing defensive basketball. That's if you're playing anything. The mobility problem. I don't care if you're playing golf. Mm-hmm. You've got to be able to sink your hips and be functional. you got to be able to rotate. And that's what blows my mind is people want the sports-specific training, but they're not willing to take the biggest – Part of the training of all of it is the one that applies to everything. Yeah. Guess what? He might not play quarterback. He might be like me and his head coach's son's a quarterback. What are you going to do then? All mm-hmm. he cared about was how he could throw a football. He doesn't even know how to run. Like, what's the point? Yeah, I was actually going to go there. Is When we start talking about being super specific about the skill development of the sport, the, the point you just brought up is what I was going through my head, actually was how in the world can you expect to be told something very specific? Because if so, we're talking about a DB and we're talking about doing a speed turn, mm-hmm. right? And foot position, knee position, all those things. And you say, okay, when we're going to make this speed turn, I need you to take the inside foot, put it here. I need to put the outside foot here. And while you're doing that, I need you to drop your chin, you know, all these things. Mm-hmm. And they're going, wait, what? I don't, I don't know what you mean. I, I can't isolate those things and I don't know how to feel that. How's he going to understand that when Patrick Peterson's asking him the same thing in practice? There I you mean, go. It's a professional football player saying, mm-hmm. yo, AJ, what'd you just do right there? Let me, t- exactly. I mean, exactly. Like, right. That's my point. Eight year old's going to figure that out. Right. right. No. And I, I've had those conversations too. Like I've, I've been at little league games. This is when I was younger. I was a mentor for a kid and I just went to watch a baseball game and I think they were eight at the time. And this guy would start yelling at his kid because a ground ball got by him. And I said, well, I'm, I, st- I walked over to the guy. I try not to make a scene, but, I get kind of fiery sometimes, but I walked over to this guy and I go, Hey, uh, your kid's eight. Yeah. And the ball got by him, but I'm pretty sure I saw Der- that happen to Derek Jeter the other night Yeah, and he's getting paid millions of dollars to do this. So you need to back off your kid, encourage him a little bit and don't drop him like that. You know, and it, it comes down to understanding situations, right? And I, there's a, if, if anybody's ever followed the all blacks, Oh, yeah. I, I love the All Blacks. Oh, yeah. um, there's a there's a lot of good books on them, but there's a documentary right now on Amazon Prime. Team in the ever history of prof- anything ever history of history of in any sport, the most winningest yeah. organization ever in the history of sports. Total wins, everything. Eighty percent, eighty-two percent winning percentage over a hundred years. I mean, it's just <laughs> just incredible. Yeah. So anyway. <laughs> You know, there's a documentary right now, All In. I'm sure you guys have seen the All In, but there's one on the All Blacks. And there's multiple examples as they go through there where they talk about training, 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 training. 
And then you see them in practice and they're going over, you know, different set pieces and stuff that they do. But then it comes back to training, 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 training. And the mentality, like you were talking about, just throw your six pitches and let's move on. There was a guy that um, I want to say he was a halfback. I can't remember what position. Maybe he was a fullback. But anyway, everybody knows rugby positions. But regardless, this guy hadn't started for the All Blacks in 799 days. He got the nod to travel to Argentina to make his first start in 799 days. And his wife or partner or something was pregnant. And she went into labor and he stayed home. And the All Blacks supported him. One of the, the captains was supposed to have a week off and not go on the trip and be able to rest. And he said, I'll go. I'll forego my rest. You stay home with your wife or partner, or whatever, and have your baby. That's more important than going and playing in this game. And it's that mentality, you know, that it's not about every single club match that you're going to play when you're a kid and traveling to all these different states and having to go play 10 games in a weekend and all those things. That's not what it's about. It is about the development. And even listening to, you know, a, a organization like the All Blacks, where the, I remember the coach saying in one of the meetings in the documentary, he was talking about how game day Saturday, whatever day they play, is the fun day. That's where you get to express yourself and have a good mm -hmm. time. Mm -hmm. But what are you doing between Sunday and Friday? Because that's what's the 100%. most important thing. And so when we start talking about this and we're talking about the young kids playing sports and not actually training their bodies and stuff, and you're going to stunt your growth or whatever, you've got more of a chance of, quote unquote, stunning your growth or creating injury by not focusing on the training and only focusing on the sport and going to game after game after game after game after season after season after season and not going out. And maybe it's just going out and running hills and learning to do things like that. And yes, mechanics are extremely important, but if you don't have the financial backing to do that, that's okay. I didn't either growing up, but I was always outside, always, always, always outside doing something. And you know, once you get fortunate enough to be around somebody that can help you with your mechanics, then that's fantastic. But if you're only focusing on the sport itself, that's where we're going to have a problem. I went from football to basketball to baseball and track at the same time to soccer and just rip all the time. Played ice hockey because I lived in Alaska. What else are you going to do? You play indoor soccer, you play baseball when it warms up and you play ice hockey. Mm. I mean, you know, it's just I've done all of those things because that's what was fun. I just right. I wanted to do everything and just so happens as I got older, I became a decathlete. And mainly because I was never going to run a nine, five and hundred meters. And I right. knew that. And so I was like, well, I mean, pole vaulting is kind of fun and I can throw the javelin. I've played quarterback before and well, I can run. So those four events are taken care of. You know, I mean, you start looking at those things and it's going, it, it paved my way and gave me my outlet, my, my performance, my, you know, all those things that, you know, you talk about that you get to express yourself. That's how I got to express myself because I got to do all of those things. And it was a blast for me to do it. Was it hard? Yeah, of course it was, but it was fun. And a lot of it came from the idea that when I was younger, I wasn't, I never played club sports ever in my life. Never once, never once did I travel for sports. Never happened. And that was because of circumstance. I grew up in the military and those things didn't happen where I was, but I made it. I got to play in college. I got to do the thing after college. You know I mean? It's, it, it doesn't have to be that way. And there's not a blueprint to this thing. For sure. Yep. That's if there, if there's, if there is anything that is resembles a blueprint at all, 
Ask anybody who's been a pro. Yep. They will tell you, train your body. Yep. Train your brain. Understand movement patterns because ultimately that's all you've got to fall back on. Because if you're throwing some stuff, Justin, and guys are getting hit after hit after hit, you don't, can't don't go, me of those days. I'm going to throw harder. <gasps> that's not what you're going to do. No. You're going to go, okay, so I'm noticing on my back foot when I come off the mound that, okay, I'm rolling a little bit. Maybe my knee's out a millimeter or two, so I need to tighten up my adductor. Then as I push through with my abs and I make better contact on the ground, my release point's going to be a little bit longer, which is what's going to help me put in better spots. Those are the things you're thinking about, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you <laughs> I said like, yeah, that was like one of those like commercials where you said all the side effects in about like, you know, 10 seconds. But I think a couple of universal things yeah, that we um, have here is, you know, that willingness to, to understand we don't have all the answers and that willingness to always learn. Yes. But everyone in this room has been punched in the face before oh, too. Absolutely. And in terms of the results in the field, the results in the uh, off the field, you know, dealing with stuff off your sport, but um, literally metaphorically, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I've <laughs> right. seen the pictures. I've, I've seen the pictures. Uh, that's why I was I was looking at you. Um, but it's 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 hard really to be result oriented, and it's hard to have realistic expectations without you handling the source, handling yes. the root of the problem, right. because you have an unrealistic way that you think you're going to perform and execute what you actually aren't doing well. Right. Let's go back and let's figure out what it is. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, as I get older, I, I think back to my childhood and, and just how blessed I was to grow up with a coach as a dad, because what just these things, like, as you're talking, number one, uh, going back to what Ryan was talking about, um, a word of advice, my dad is a 30 year basketball coach, right? And he sat in the furthest right field no bleachers, nothing, sat on a chair every single Little League as far away from the other parents as possible, and that's what I recommend for you. I want to be that guy, man. He literally <laughs> just couldn't be uh, – he, yeah. he, he could not fathom how a parent could sit there and yell, get a hit, Johnny, get a hit. And just this past weekend, I was up in Sacramento, and he told me, he's like, I wish some Little Leaguer would turn around and say, you know what, Mom, actually, no, I'm trying to strike out. You're right. <laughs> I'm not trying to get a hit right now. I'm just – I'm actually trying – thank you for reminding me uh, right. what I'm trying to do. Appreciate right. it. And I say that to say what these parents are all experts in. Every single one of them is the greatest baseball player to ever live. Every single one of them is the greatest football player to ever live, the greatest basketball player to ever live. One thing that I admire so much about my dad is the day that I said I want to play quarterback, he said, all right, I got to find somebody that knows how the hell to play quarterback. He, he wasn't a quarterback. He's a basketball player. Mm -hmm. So – let me find somebody. Okay, if you're not a great movement person, if you are not, do not consider yourself, if you never studied kinesiology, you don't know how the body works, stop trying to be an expert and send your kid to a place where people literally do this for a living. Literally do this for a living. Yeah. My dad always says, don't tell Picasso how to paint. If a plumber comes to fix my toilet, I'm not going to stand over and be like, oh, are you sure you're not? Bro, this is what he does. <laughs> right. Right. Let him do what he does, right? right? So that was one thing. The other thing that came up is... If you think that your kid is getting better in a game, you don't understand sports. If 100%. he's not willing to so go in the backyard true. and work so. on his craft away from his team, right. he will never be better than his teammates. Right. So why would you think that the more games he plays, the better he's going to get? No. The more times he goes in the backyard and hits that tire swing with a bat, the more he's going to get. The more he can bend over on one leg, the more he can jump and land properly, the more he can – Go out and feel like he's energized in the morning and comes home and he's not 
nine years old complaining about lower back pain. I mean, <laughs> those things are all way more important than the score of a travel basketball game or travel baseball game. Mm-hmm. And I say that to say this. My family, my sister was a McDonald's All-American basketball player. She was the star basketball player. I knew I was not going to play basketball in college from a very young age. And we would travel all over the country. My dad ran one of the biggest AAU programs in the country. And he would tell his players, they would fly in. He literally had girls that would fly in to play on my sister's team when they were 13, 14, 15 years old. He would tell these parents, I promise your daughter practice time. I promise I'm practice time. <laughs> I promise. She will get better. She will. Games? Oh, that's nothing. We sort that out on game day. And we don't talk about playing time. None of that. That's not why you're here. You're here because you told me your daughter wants to become a better basketball player. And it always stuck with me because when I become a football coach someday, that's what I'm going to tell parents too. Mm-hmm. I promise your kid an opportunity to prove himself in practice. Mm-hmm. Don't ever talk to me about game day. That's what I get paid for. I'll figure that one out. And what he shows me in practice is what will be on display on game day. Right. But who are you to tell me, oh, I pay this and Johnny should be playing? No, no, no. This is not – that's not how sports works. Right. And if that's what you're looking for, then go somewhere else. Because if you're in a compre- competitive sports team, organization, whatever mm-hmm. – I mean, AJ, what if I went to Brock last year and said, yo, 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 uh, you know, Trev just had two bad series. I think I should get a run at this thing. Like, <laughs> what? That's not how football works. Right. No. You present yourself an opportunity to get better, and you get better in practice. You get better – doing the things outside of practice, like we talk about the lonely work, that's when you get better. Right. That's what you do. And then you display it in practice and try. By the time the game comes, when you're nine years old, come on, man, that's not that's not doing it. It's in the cage before. It's right. hitting off a tee. It's all that stuff. I'm trying to talk about sleeping next time. I'm getting fired up with these coaches. <laughs> these I'm sweating. I mean, <laughs> I'm going to do the same thing, bro. Uh, like, talk about recovery or something next time. <laughs> I mean, but that's the fun thing it's about it, right? Though. It's, uh, it's really? the truth, and it's because – We've all been there and we've all done it right. And and you're you're getting paid to right. Still witness it today. Right. Right. You don't even know what a three step drop is. Right. Or how or why or what foot should be on the ground. The thing is, is if you have a son that's playing quarterback, you're gonna be like, we're gonna talk about it. We're gonna see what happened. You don't have an overall answer just watching one naked eye rep, and then all of a sudden the coach or the dad thinks he knows everything. If my son drives me crazy, I'm gonna tell him how to pole vault. No, I'm gonna call Ryan and I'm gonna say, "Yo, <laughs> Logan Junior over here says he wants to pole vault. I don't even know what the heck that is. What do I do? I mean, come on. Yeah, stop trying to be an expert in every field. It's okay to say you don't know. Yeah. If you're a parent, stop trying to be that overbearing presence where you know everything. How many times do parents come in before their kid? He's sitting in the lobby and they say, "Hey, he really needs to work on his." Mm, yeah. Really? Yep. Yeah, Let daily. me figure that out. Aren't yep. you paying? Okay, I will figure out what you're. I mean, because right. at the end of the day, you say he's really fast. He has mm-hmm. yeah. really yeah. good mechanics, and then he hey, doesn't man, have he, good. He's mechanics. a really good, uh, you know, beach volleyball <laughs> player, but he just got to get faster. What are you talking about? Let's figure <laughs> out where he moves. Like, how does this even work? Right. Yeah. It there's there's so many there's so many directions that that can go and you know ultimately when you ask most people that have done it for a living most pros that i've known that were level-headed pros that you would want to have a conversation like this with typically don't want their kids playing the same sport they played mm-hmm. yeah yeah i totally I agree i 100 I agree you know i've seen the ins and outs of football i don't yeah, want right. to sit in a literally that's what i'm saying right. yeah. and that's the thing is people ask me all the time like well you know what do you want dante and andre to play i'm like i really don't care i just want you know especially at the young age i just want them to go out and have fun like just go play like yeah. when you like the joy you get from drawing something or 
reading a new book or whatever that might be, I want that same joy from going out and playing in the game. The same joy you got the first time you popped up on a surfboard. I want that feeling when you're out playing. I don't want you to feel like you're going to disappoint me. I, I, you're, you're a kid. I don't care. You're going to mess up. It's not a big deal. I really don't care. I want you to have fun. And down the line, ultimately, just like we do with anything in our lives, if the end result gives us the endorphins and dopamine of enjoyment, I'm probably going to work a little bit harder on the back end to get ready for that fun. But if it's a demanding over my shoulder, I'm doing everything wrong and I threw the ball two inches to the backside and I shouldn't have, or I, I hit a ground ball into a double play. Oh man, you know, you're terrible. You know, all those things happen every day at every game you've ever seen. And of course, at some point that kid is not going to want to do that anymore. Mm -hmm. And that's the, that's the dilemma that I see. And that's why having something like a three exists because I don't have to deal with playing time. My job is to make you better and to make you confident in yourself. In the defense, he's not willing to do it by himself. Come on. In the defense of all those parents, I think because we've all played at a, at a high level that we don't have to live vicariously through our kids. Right. Right. Um, but with that being said, like you got to understand, like those parents, they, they 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 see themselves in their kids, right? And they want their kids to do, to do really really well and do all these things. But you got to be realistic about it. Like they're still eight. Like yeah, you know, you're you're still you're, right. you're still a kid. Johnny's you're dad still, is mad. He's not throwing yeah, seventy five ex- miles an hour. Exactly. I'm sitting there yeah, next to him in the stands. Like you can't you can't talk. set like a you know like a like a threshold so high mm-hmm. that they can't they can't attain, right? Like you're not gonna throw a ninety mile per hour fastball he's 10 yeah like what, what you what do you expect right. you know right. and it's easy for me to be like oh, i just want him to have fun because i've played at the high level you know we've all been pros and stuff like right. that and we you know it's it's what it's really about is them having fun yeah. right for for those parents i think it's it's tough for them because either they didn't have fun or they didn't get to the level that they that they strive for their parents or for their kids so you know they put this target on their back and like you have to do it you got to make it and do all this stuff and i think that's where a lot of the kids feel a lot of the pressure and it, you know, pushes them away from a sport and things like that. And it, it really sucks, man. Yeah, and you're exactly right. And full disclosure, that's parenting advice brought to you by Logan Kilgore that has no kids. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm doing exactly what I said that parents shouldn't do, but I, I'm just only saying that from experience of trying to train these kids. And just, that's what I, that's what I see on a daily basis is people telling me what should be happening. And it's like, okay, come on, man. Ryan, are you excited, man, for when your kids come to you and tell you what they want to do? Oh, yeah. Like what they're compelled to, you know, oh, yeah. want to start Absolutely. doing. Like, so it's funny that when you said how your dad would make you go find some, you know, he would go find someone to help you play quarterback. Well, we were in the backyard. And again, my son is six. He he was five when we did this. And we were in the backyard and I brought a tee out because mm-hmm. we were talking about baseball. His uh, two older uh, cousins play baseball. And so... I put a tee out and he was like, well, I don't want a tee. I want to hit the baseball. I'm like, you want me to throw it to you? He's like, yeah, I want you to throw it to me. and I want to hit it. I'm like, oh, sure. Okay. I started like 10 feet away underhand tossing. He hit it. I'm like, oh, cool. He's like, no, dad, throw it, throw the ball. Like throw it overhand, and I'm like, "What you got?" Okay, so we right down the middle. (laughs) I actually (laughs) like I. I just wanted him to have fun and like succeed, like like, you know, hit the ball, right? Off a four (laughs) (laughs) seam. So I ended up being like 23 feet away, 
and I throw the ball and this kid starts hitting the ball. And in my backyard, he's hitting it over the brick fence off the side yard, hitting it into the street. And so it was a fun game. Like we'd get on the scooter and the skateboard and we'd ride around and go pick up the ball. And then there were times he wanted me to hop the fence and it became a thing that every time he hit the ball, he wanted to hit it over the fence. See dad jumped the fence. Well, I finally, I was like, I'm calling art right now. Like mm -hmm. I want art to. So anyway, we put art on FaceTime and he's watching Dante swing the bat and all this. And he said, I forgot now what it was. I wish art was here. He's giving him cues, but he gave him a cue and Dante did it. And he hit the, Oh my gosh. He hit the ball so hard. And it was the, and then, you know, art saw it and it was, it was like the coolest thing. And I'm like, see, that's, that's what I want. I don't, I don't want to be that. I just want to watch and have fun and cheer you on. Like, I, sure. I don't want to yeah. be the one breathing down your neck, telling you to do X, Y, Z. I want someone else to tell you to do that. And I just want to be like, Hey, great job, man. That was, that was fun. Oh yeah. That was a hard one. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. let's talk about how to fix that. You know, that's, that's my specialty. That that's what I do. Right. I don't want to be that one. That's all hard. I want you to be able to come to me, son, and be your support system. Like what yeah. your dad did. Right. I, I want to be the support system, not the one that you're afraid of mm -hmm. after the game. Yeah. And if there's anything I can communicate to parents, it's that that let's let's have some fun here. And again, that's why, you know, having a place like A3 is so important to me that there's no playing time going on there. There's no pressure. This is you get in there with some peers. Yeah, we're going to compete and we're, we're going to do some things that we're trying to see how we measure up to other people. But ultimately, it's a very positive thing. We're not talking down. We're we're not yelling at you because you're doing the wrong thing this is constant positive reinforcement constructive criticism from time to time but in a positive manner and that's really what it comes down to is I, I i if i can communicate again anything to parents is let's just have fun and be competitive and be okay not being the best mm -hmm. because if you're the best what's driving you mm -hmm. right yeah you know yeah, like if you want to coach your kid at doing something well teach them to not throw their equipment when they strike out. Right. Teach them to respect the game and the people that have been there before them. Teach them to love the game more than they love success in the game. Because mm -hmm. at the end of the day, one. that's not always going to come. You know, you might bat 700, you know, when you're an 11 year old baseball yeah. player, but there'll be times where you're not going to bat 700 and you don't want to be that kid that's never dealt with those other situations. Yep. Sweet the sheds. are a part of the game. Taking L's and losses, yep. striking yep. out, mm -hmm. getting a, a touchdown caught on you. Any of the, all those things that you think are not, yeah. they are a part of the game and they will happen. I can guarantee you. Yeah. It's yeah. going to happen. It's going to happen. You have to play long enough. Right. It yeah. will happen. So, yeah. You're a human. You'll make mistakes and it's getting mm -hmm. past that. And it's going to happen okay. in your life too. And you know, so to close this thing out, we said sweep the sheds. I'm going to explain what that means real quick. This goes back to the all blacks and this what there was a, well, well documented, and this happens for a hundred years. This has been happening, but there was a more recent World Cup uh, documented incident. And when I say incident, that's not a negative thing. This is a a positive thing. So they just won the World Cup of rugby for the however many time. And what happens is they're in. They're obviously in a locker room afterwards. They're celebrating. Everybody's happy. They've just won the World Cup. It's like winning the Super Bowl, the World Series, NBA Championship, whatever. Stanley Cup. Great Cup. They just won that. The coaches leave. The media leaves. Everybody leaves. And the captains stay back and clean the locker room. 
They sweep it. They put all the clothes away. They do it so that other people don't have to. That's respect. Mm -hmm. That is professionalism. That is the way we should be carrying ourselves on a daily basis. And for you parents out there that really want your kids to be an athlete and be a successful one, we want them to be too. Go read Legacy. It is about the All Blacks. It actually starts with that uh, circumstance. It happens with that story of what happens when they sweep the sheds and why that's such a big deal in the culture of the All Blacks. Uh, If you've never read that book, I highly, highly, highly recommend it because ultimately, as the higher level you get, the less your skill matters. And it's all about, one, being healthy. Two, what can you handle mentally? But ultimately, do you respect the situation? Do you respect the moment to be able to stay in it and have something to fall back on, which is your training? I think that's it. It's pretty damn good. Boom. Cool. Fellas, thank you. It's been great. As always. Thanks for having us. Good to be here. Next time. Yep.